Welcome to another episode of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. This week, our special guest is Joe Richards. Hey, Joe, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and watchers? Not a problem, Kevin. My name is Joe, and I'm a, I'm a summer camp professional uh, who happens to also be a podcaster and a, an amateur maker. Well, it's so great to have you here. The listeners can't tell, but you are now situated in a workshop of some sort with a line of power tools behind you and a tool chest. Mm -hmm. It looks really yeah, very makerish from our, our <laughs> perspective. So I'm really looking forward to the tools you have for us, Joe. So that what's, is awesome. What's your what what what's a favorite tool of yours that you'd like to share? One of my favorite tools, um, about five years ago, we went through a fire order with our local fire department, and uh, one of the door guys swore by these screwdrivers. They're called Pickquicks, and they're a Canadian-made screwdriver, and it's it looks like a normal screwdriver with a handle. The thing is, and it's hard to see, but all of the bits are stored in the handle, so when you go to change a bit, um, you actually pull it out, and it's a... It's a full-sized um, bit that you can actually put in your impact drill or in your into your impact driver or drill, and then you literally just push it up to get the next the other bit you want. Right, um, and then it's, and it is, and then that longer bit slots into the front where there is a yeah. probably a magnetic um, holder. It, it it is magnetic, which then turns your tip magnetic as well, right, which is right, super right. handy because not all screwdrivers are magnetic. Right. Um, and as a Canadian, Kevin, we uh, I find it hard to shop in the states for screwdrivers because none of the screwdriver kits come with Robertson with square heads. Right. Um, whereas every every multi tool screwdriver in Canada comes with a square head because it's a Canadian invention and right. and they've been around for decades and decades. It's a very superior. Um, and just for just for our ignorant American viewers like myself, a Robertson <laughs> head on a screw is instead of having the slot or the little cross of the Phillips, Robertson's a square hole with a square bit. And it is um very much superior even the Phillips, I don't know how it compares to a Torx, the little stars that yeah, I don't. It's a good question. Here in here where we shop, like all of our deck screws for since I've been building decks for almost 30 years, when you go to buy a box of deck screws, they're all square headed, they're all Robertson, right. which is so much better than a, a Phillips. Now, this is the other thing about Pickwick as a company, they actually make um a Torx one as well, and they they're lineup. Um, I have, and for the viewers, and what I'm about to show is a lineup of uh, um, a lineup of a whole bunch of Pickwick screwdrivers. And so we have the normal Pickwick. Um, we have uh, the Allen key in standard, and the Allen key in metric, and we have a Torx head. And then we also have smaller versions. Um, I am not affiliated with the company, but when the when the builder who the door guy who swore by it it makes so much sense right. um the other thing that is really cool is that built into the end before the plastic body you can slide a 7 16 wrench over it oh, wow. to get that extra torque if you need that to turn so cool. it right so what he did and, was he 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 took a open-ended wrench 
or closed in, I guess you'd say, and put it around or put the bit of the screwdriver through it, pierce it, and that gives you an extra purchase on turning yeah. the screw, screwdriver. And it, it locks right in there. I, I've never used it because it, but I could get where it would be useful. I also found out today on the really tiny one, this is called their stubby. They actually, this fits a three eighths okay. um, rent. So they've, they've put it on all of their models. Right. So, so, um, so, so the cool thing that we, you just showed us, you showed us a table that had a bunch of different screwdrivers, each of a different colored handle, which represents, mm -hmm. of course, in this system, not just a single screwdriver, but an entire set. So you have all your Allen wrenches basically in one screwdriver. You have all your torque bits all in one screwdriver. And what's, um, I've, for me, one of the main advantages of the system, the way you do it, is that you cannot lose a bit. Correct. Because the only way that you can get out the new bit is by putting in the old one. So you're never going to lose it. And that is the main advantage of this and having to deal with bare bits of different sizes and, and whatnot. It's they're very easy to lose track of. But here, this is a kind of, I don't know, it's a um, fail-safe system. Yeah, and I grew up with, uh, it's, and I found this screwdriver when I was cleaning up my, my mother's office after she passed away. It was a yellow screwdriver that had a big round circle on the end and all of the bits were stored in it. But those bits you can lose, right? They just shook around. Right. This is, um, the only way you lose a bit here is if you actually take it out to use in a drill oh, and yeah, yeah. then forget to put it back. But it does remind you that you're like, oh, Oh, I'm missing a bit. Yeah and, yeah. and and because they're a normal size, you can just replace it with a new, you can just go to the hardware store and if you strip out your Phillips set or strip out this, you can yeah. just replace it with another one from the right. uh, from the store. Right. So, so the Pickwick yeah. is about about 1750 US on Amazon when I checked yesterday. Yeah. Um yeah. And so it's it's a fantastic way if you have a um and and where I see it most often used is in the portable versions for people who are on site you know on the field at the work site or they have it in their bucket and they're there back at home you can have a whole drawer full of these and it's not an issue but here where you have you want everything to be compact and versatile and that's where this really comes in handy oh for sure and my my wife wants a screwdriver in the house because she doesn't want to come out to the shop and find right, one. Right. So we keep one of these in a drawer and in, in our camp office up the road, instead of having a whole set of screwdrivers, you just keep one of these in the bin and, and people can, can use them. It's, it's a fascinating and the, the storage mechanism really works, yeah. really works well with the Pickwick. Yeah. It's really great. So thanks for mm -hmm. that. And I didn't know it was yeah. Canadian, but um, yay, Canada. <laughs> small it's a company out of vancouver when i did some research yesterday okay and they manufacture them there and and that's where their head office is so yeah that's really wonderful okay mm -hmm. so um so joe what's uh, a second choice for you my second choice is something called a, a red plastic box um just to to explain the situation a little bit so what i'm holding up in front of the camera are two bins that you could go buy at the dollar store, clear bins to sort of organize a drawer of parts and tools. The challenge is because they have angled edges, you're always gonna lose space in your drawers, in your workshop. 
Um, and there's a company called uh, Schaller, and I, I might be um, I might be butchering the name, but they sell little red plastic boxes. Now, I've heard you recently talk about challenges with 3D printers that they don't always work. At the price of these boxes, there's no reason. I bought 130 different sized boxes for less than $145 US. Um, and so what I'm holding up are just red. This is a three by three by one inch deep box. And there's two of them side by side, but it shows that they fit tight together. Right. And on the, on the website, they actually have a drawer builder. So you can put in your exact size mm -hmm. of your drawer and just slide different size boxes into it. Um, I will, what I'm doing is changing the camera angle to show a couple of uh, drawers I pulled out. Okay. And so this is a, this is a drawer with, you know, probably a, a an eight by eight by six. These are long enough to put screwdrivers in and right. here, I'll just put one of my pickwicks right in here. Right. And so they're quite the length. There's different depths from one inch to two inch to I'm holding up a three inch box by two inches wide. Um, and, and then I have, you know, another drawer that has many small of the three by three, but they also sell these really tiny thin ones um, as well. And the, all of them are straight up, Kevin, like they're yeah. all straight, right. if that makes sense. They're all perpendicular sides. So you so they're maximizing the amount of space. And then that also keeps them from moving around. They're very snug against each other um, as they fell out of tray. And I, I guess the, they come in sufficient variety that you can probably come very close to within, I don't know, maybe half an inch of filling the entire tray, which is something. Yeah, you on, on this drawer I'm holding up, you can see at the top, it's yeah. it's maybe half an inch. But what that actually allows you to do is to pick the drawer up and take it yeah. with you if you right. need those pieces. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I I love small drawers. Like I at auctions, I'll buy mechanics cabinets with small drawers. I'll buy this is a weird, like 36 draw drawers of this size in a cabinet. And it's just brilliant for storing um for storing things. So the toolbox behind me in the other shot is has full drawers with this. And I really bought 140, 130 of these, sort of tested out um, right. about a year ago. And it makes my drawers much more organized than they ever were before. And um, this is a, an American company and literally all they sell are two things. They sell little red plastic boxes and some other thing that I don't pay attention to because I don't, <laughs> don't remember. I don't use it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's really great. Yeah. There's, um, if you have a drawer full of things, the only way you can salvage a drawer is, from becoming just a jumble of chaotic things you can't tell is to have organizers inside them. And well, yeah. I, I find that that there's just a limit to how much you can get into a little a square, no matter what its size. And that, I, I, that having these kind of really long ones is, mm -hmm. is an important part of that system because I find um, drawers often, it's very rarely where everything's a uniform shape. And so you want to be able to have huge variety of different shapes yeah my my wife is an organized person and and she hates my junk drawer and so she bought the 
he bought the the dollar store sort of plastic bins with the angled up and they they serve a function in the junk drawer in the house but out here in the shop i i i'm not sure where i discovered the red plastic boxes but mm -hmm. there it, it, it's it's amazing how much organized you feel when you open a drawer and you're like oh that's where my erasers and extra pencil lead are for all the mechanical pencils perfect i'm, I'm just curious or that's i'm just curious if they have to be red they do sell blue okay. but i don't know that they're in every size okay well they must have gotten a good deal on the red plastic by the tr train load um yeah uh, and, and and as i said like a six by six by one inch box one inch deep costs two dollars and 52 cents a three by three by one which are the ones i was holding up those cost um 69 cents yeah yeah uh, to purchase and a, a two inch by eight inches long by two inches deep cost a uh, dollar fifty. Right, there are and people so, who um, print those out in three D printers, maybe for the same price, but it'll take three hours or whatever, you know. So well, and and this is it. I I think I paid because I'm Canadian. I had to pay shipping to get them right, and and it is what it is. But I'm just next time I need more and next time I want to organize more drawers, I would do this rather than. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Just time-wise saves me. Time so, right. Yeah. Um, so that's great. Okay. Drawer organizers. Thank you, Joe. So Joe, uh, uh, tell us about another tool that you uh, want to share. Kevin, this is the hardest tool uh, that I've tried to figure out how to explain and visualize for your workers. So what I've done is I've shown a picture on the screen and what you're looking at is more importantly, what does this tool do? It's called a, a PARF, the PARF MK2 guide system. And what it does is it allows you to drill perfect 20 millimeter bench dogs, 96 millimeters apart from each other at their center. And somebody on the, so what you're looking at is a table that's full of 20 millimeter holes and I have some bench dogs in. And for the for watchers and listeners, the, the benefit is that you can get something at an exact right angle. So I use my, um, so I'm just putting a Festool crack on a piece of wood. And, and what you get with, the, with those holes, they're perfectly at 90 degrees with each other. And I'm showing that with a, a square down in the bottom here. Or a square at the top, which might be a slightly better angle for our but it is a um, the system itself. The system itself is a hard thing to to show here. Just let me. What I'm holding up now is a piece of um, machined aluminum, and the, it has one, two, three, twenty millimeter holes, and it has um, some pins in it, uh, pin holes. And the way this works, and I was. Once again, Kevin, I was having a hard time trying to figure out how I would show it. Um, but the system comes with a whole bunch of small bits, including a 20 millimeter um, cutter, yeah. um, which I'm showcasing there, and a three millimeter drill hole, a drill, sorry. And what we do is it, it also comes with these two rulers. And so the this is the key is that it uses Pythagorean theorem to, um, to essentially use these pins, uh, which is a small, it looks like a tack almost with a with a three millimeter uh, rod on the end. 
And it's hard to see from this distance, but in this table, I have some uncompleted holes. And so what you're looking at or what people are looking at are these 20 millimeter holes. And then there's a spot where there's no 20 millimeter holes. And that was really for me to, um, because I wanted to put a router in, but essentially these pins go through these holes in the ruler and they would line up, um, so, so what, line up yeah. the ruler. So what you're doing, you... uh, I wanted just to explain again to the listeners. So, so what we have is we have a table that has a grid, a grid of holes in it, and the holes in this grid enable you to put these dogs. They're called dogs. They're like a little cylindrical stump that fit in and sit in there, and those little stumps protrude up, and they allow you to guide your boards, your work. Sometimes they do it. They have metal versions of this for welding. And so um, so this jig, jig that you are going to show us is the jig that help you drill the holes, if I understand where you're going. Is that right? Correct. So there's two parts to the system. So the ruler gets held in, in place by these pins. Right. And then it, it has these, um, these weird, uh, very specific um nubs that that three millimeter drill goes into and and drills down and so what would happen is i would line up this little tiny hole on the bottom of this um this nub with one of these holes in the, right. in the ruler and then it would just slot in there. And then with my drill attached to the, the three millimeter drill, I would drill down and get a small three millimeter hole. Right. right. So, so, so what the system is trying to do is trying to um, give you the most precise way possible to drill these pilot holes and then later holes, because unless they're exactly precise, they're not that useful. Correct. If you want perfect 90 degree um, from each other, um, you know, if you want these rows to be 90 degrees when you put bench dogs in um, and use your use a track saw attached to bench dogs, you need it to be perfect. My my whole thing was trying to get rid of my table saw. Um, and in this where I'm standing, the shop is um, I have a this is a four by eight table that you're looking at, Kevin. And what I have is enough space in front of it to the garage door that my wife can still pull in and park. And I have a small Bosch table saw, like a, a contractor's um, sight saw that I do some things on, but it's up on a shelf. Um, and so the, the metal aluminum piece that I showed at the beginning and I'm showing again now, which is um, maybe 16 inches long, you use, this system has a series of things to hold. So this is a little bench dog to hold it in place um, so that I can drill a hole. It's gonna reference off of one of the ones I've already drilled. And then this pin is going to hold it in on the other end. And then if I, I would know that that's perfectly aligned with this row of bench dog holes if I drilled that one down right there. Right. Right. So, so yeah, so this is a system for laying out an exact grid of holes, you know, about six inches apart on a piece of, of 
you know, plywood or MDF or something that would serve as your new work surface. Well, correct. And and the reason that I the reason that I think it's such a cool tool is that um, you can go to many woodworking stores and buy a buy a table that has bench dogs already drilled into it. And for a small one, you're looking somewhere between eighty and one hundred and twenty dollars. And for a large one, you're looking anywhere from two hundred to three hundred dollars. The reality of this is you can create your perfect size. Um, so I just drilled a, a this is a full sheet of MDF. And because it's MDF and I have this system, even as I cut into it with my track saw, um, because I use it as my, I don't have a miter saw in this shop. Um, and I use this as my miter saw, you know, cutting things. Um, and as you cut into it, eventually you'll want to replace this tabletop. Right, right. Um, and because I own the system, I can do that. Or especially because I'm on site at a at a summer camp year round, Kevin, I can, we have another table similar to this up at our at the actual camp shop. So it allows it allows me for the price of I think the PARF system US is around $240 to buy this the PARF MK2 system. Um, but once you own it, you own it and all you need is a piece of wood. And and I've seen other makers build smaller portable saw, portable ones, so they can take their tracks on a few bench dogs and get those perfect 90 degree cuts um, wherever they need to uh, with their with their track saws instead of traveling with a, a miter saw. And if you've ever moved a miter saw from place to place to cut decking or whatnot, you, you can understand how a track and a, track, a portable track saw with a battery and a small table is much easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um... Do you know if you can cut through a sheet metal? Um, I don't think that I'm just removing it. I don't think that uh, I don't think I try. Um, okay. I think that if you, I think the only limiting factor for you would be the the bit. Right, if you had right. a bit that had sheet metal, um, I'm sure that you could. I'm sure that you could uh, try well, that with your own bit, just not with well, yeah, Joe's you, bit. You, you'd use a step drill for it, and I guess you could put that in. Um, yeah, and it's this challenge of getting that perfect 90 degrees, right? It's always going to be the challenge with any time you build a... Um, there's a couple of things about building in a shop, which is that it if you make it look too pretty, you're never going to utilize it the way that... You know, it's it's a piece of it's a tool. It's a, it's a it's a tool and it's a throwaway. The top of your table is really a throwaway item, right? If it, it gets glue on it, it gets it right. Like you want to be able to use it and then replace it without feeling like you can't bang something on it. You can't do anything on it. And um, and this system has worked out really well for me. I bought it during the pandemic. Um, I had to order it. Uh, it wasn't available in North America. I ordered it from the UK at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, and and then had some time on my hands to uh, to redo my shop. Well, great. So that's uh, a this great, is yeah. the centerpiece. The, the, yeah, this table is the centerpiece of all of the making I do uh, for camp in this shop. Yeah. Um, well, I hope that explained it well enough. It, yes, it is, I hope so it's a too. Difficult hope, tool to to imagine. It, it is, and particularly for those who are listening to see it, but. Um, it is it is a modular system of holes 
that allow you to hold wood without clamps in the middle of tables, especially, which you can't even get a clamp to. Although you can make versions of it that have clamps in the middle as well. Well, um, and these these 20 millimeter holes, there are, are a series, Kevin, of um, of clamps that work, um, right, that work by going down into the hole and still allow you to clamp. Right. And 20 millimeter is the, you, is the correct size for that and it works great. Yeah. Um, so to hold it down in the middle of a table, I have a series of essentially, I don't know what you call those, welding clamps is what you can buy, but um, there are a series of ones that can go into the table and then hold it down from the top as well. Right. So you can clamp, the, the benefit here is you can clamp pretty much anything to your tabletop as well. Right, exactly. Um, well, that's really great, Joe. Thank you so much for that. So, so we have some minutes. Why don't you tell us about um, what you are excited by these days, or a passion project that you're? Well, working I have one more tool. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I miscount? <laughs> I miscounted. Okay, tell us about so the tool. this. This applies to what you're looking at on screen. Is I've I've given um, if you're listening, I've I've given the same image of the image of the tabletop, and what you're looking at is essentially a an extra large cutting mat. And so you'll see these, if you watch maker videos, you'll see people with the green, with the green cutting mats. And, and right. I have, um, I'm holding up an, a small green one that I got. Once again, when my, I was cleaning out my mother's sewing room, I, she had, you know, seemingly hundreds of, of small healable cutting mats. And, and what I discovered at uh, somewhere, and I bought from Joanne's Fabric in the States when I was there for one day. This is a 33 by 50 um, by 56 inch white gridded cutting mat and gridded uh, inch by inch with an X in the middle. It's used by dressmakers and fabric maker or uh, and sewers because it 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 is so big. The benefit and the reason I recommend it is because if you go with a table that has 20 millimeter holes in a grid pattern, you're gonna lose stuff all the time underneath. And the way I've built this table, if I drop something in one of these holes, it might end up on top of a filing cabinet that's right, that's a drawer <laughs> underneath this table. Right. And so um, this is 70 bucks at Joanne Fabrics. And and I can't uh, I can't express how awesome, it, it. it is what lives on top of this table most of the time. Uh, because then I can do projects. And then if I'm doing cutting, it's still small enough that I can cut uh, with my tracks on the one side of it with my bench dogs. And, right. um, so, yeah. and for, for those listening, so it's, it's a, um, yeah, it's, it's a kind of a beach towel sized mat that also has a grid on it uh, on the white um, backdrop is kind of fine, dark lines. And there's, and there are rule rulers at the edges showing you the, the actual measurements, um, but it's, yeah, it's an extra super large cutting mat in white. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's super large compared with the green, with the green um, self-healing mats. And I have a folding green self-healing mat that I've had for years because I do sewing as well uh, for, for camp. Um, just small things, uh, right? Just skills, skills learned through a lifetime of growing up on a farm and being a summer camp person. But, but this, when you, when you build your workshop table with a whole bunch of holes in it, 
an extra large cutting mat goes a long way towards helping your sanity uh, and not lose parts. Yeah, exactly. And it's also great for, I mean, there's a certain, I like the quality of working on a, a cutting mat, even when I'm not cutting, because there's a certain, it's not hard as like a steel or even a, a plywood. There's a little bit of a bounce to it, a little kind of a absorption, but it's not too soft. So it's kind of just the right um, stiffness or firmness, I guess, as I, I, I would call it. Yeah. And it's in, and it's great to be able to, the contrast as well. So having it white, there's not a lot of things I'm building with that are white, right? Like, and, and, um, and I tend to, you know, it's, it's just, a as you say, it, it has a bit of give to it that, that hardwood doesn't, um, if you glue on it, the glue will just peel right off. It, it is, it's super handy. Right. Yeah. Well, great. And you say you got that at Joanne's. That's great to know. Um, yeah, I pri here's a I priced it at, in Canada at a place called uh, Fabricland, and it was two hundred and forty dollars Canadian. And then I was in port here on Michigan, and uh, it was seventy eighty dollars US. Um, but Joanne's always has uh, coupons, so I think in the end I paid thirty five dollars for this one. Wow, what a bargain! <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you, Joe. I'm sorry I miscounted. But that does bring us to the same opportunity as we had earlier, which is tell us about things that you're excited by these days. So there's two things, Kevin. Um, I'm a summer camp guy, and summer camp is right around the corner here in Ontario, Canada. Um, right, campers will arrive and staff will arrive in about a month's time, the beginning of July. Um, and so I'm always excited by staff training. I'm, I'm, uh, I love uh, my staff, and I love talking to other staff. Um, and, and lots of, uh, I have a website called yoyojoe.com, Y-O-Y-O-J-O-E.com, which has uh, a blog and uh, it has something called the Camp Counselor Manifesto, which lots of summer camps print off and use as motivation for their staff. So that's the one thing. The second thing, and, and I thought hard about this, but I just prior to the pandemic, which seems like forever ago, mm -hmm. um, in December, just before Christmas of 2019, I completed a 20-year project that I haven't really had a chance to promote at all. And um, I digitized the entire Canadian Camping Magazine archive from 1947 to 1992 wow. um, by scanning it and uh, having it optically character recognized. Um, in the end, I, uh, this is an idea I had in 2000, and my idea was way ahead of where uh, easy technology was at the time. Yeah. Um, but in the end, um, in in February, in December of 2019, I uploaded the final one to the Internet Archive, um, and it's stored as a collection on the Internet Archive, available to everyone. And as someone who also went through outdoor recreation at, at Lakehead University as my degree, I would have loved to have access to you know, 50, 60 years of Canadian Camping Magazine. And uh, if you just go to the Internet Archive and type in Canadian Camping Magazine, you'll find the collection and it's full of uh, it's full of interesting facts and tidbits. And um, and and it's a it's a project I'm really proud of. But it's one of those projects that you just do because you're like, oh, yeah. somebody needs to do this. This I should mean, be interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, so so having done that and. Uh, so I had I had a particular weakness for old magazines. My very first job mm -hmm. growing up 
Westfield High, uh, Westfield, New Jersey, was working as a page in the public library. <laughs> and part of my job was to go down to the basement where all the old magazines were to retrieve them if somebody was asking for uh, an issue or to return them, which is even worse. Because I would I would go down there and never surface again. <laughs> I would start looking at these old magazines like Scientific American, Popular Science, whatever it was, Life magazines, Boys Life, and it was like it was like cocaine. It was just so so mesmerizing, and it was often the ads, not even the content. And I'm wondering, oh, yeah, yeah, in your own journey into the past that way. Were there things that you learned, uh, tips or advice or other things that you learned from those old issues that you would recommend that people go back to look for? Um, I think th the biggest thing I realized in doing this, and, and part of this came from working at a at a really old camp, a camp that had started in 1920, and they had a, they had a stack of these magazines. And um, what I learned is that we camping is an industry that sucks at learning from its past right we go through this we go through <laughs> i am a i'm someone who thinks about the future of summer camping because i've made this my my life right i've this is the only full-time job i've ever had uh -huh. has been in camping and the thing i learned is that we redo the same things over and over again and partially due to the fact that we hire the same age kids every summer Meaning that as we get older, the, the 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 youth who are doing these jobs are the exact same age they were 30 years ago, right? They're all 16 year olds with with a different take on life. Um, but I also learned that it's uh, there's a ton of people who are who volunteer their time and effort to make a movement like summer overnight summer camping happen, and and to to read through those and the the they had poems and quotes and the ads. Once again, yeah, the ads are something else altogether to to look at. But I think what I learned most is that we're an industry that's doomed to keep repeating unless we learn from our past. Mm -hmm. um, I think you you've said it in numerous things, right? That if if we don't know our past, how can we how can we aim at the future or figure out what the future is? Mm -hmm. um, and recently I've been doing some uh, some some of the future scenarios with the Institute for the future and um, and it's amazing how coming from a summer camp lens, it allows me to think about, oh, oh, like if that happens, these are the things that, that, you know, would be helpful in camp. And, and I think the, um, the other thing that I'm disappointed in is that there's no real, the online world has taken those magazines away from us, right. In the sense that, um, there's no monthly or bi-monthly magazine currently dedicated to camping. The American Camping Association has one, but it's a it's a closed silo. They don't allow people to. They don't allow people to see it or back copies. What? I suggested they put it side by side with our with the Canadian Camping they, Magazine. Why don't they allow? Why don't they allow outsiders or public to see it? I don't know. <laughs> I was once upon a time I was at the American Camping Association's headquarters in Indiana, and uh -huh. I asked that question of someone in that office, yeah. and and it it. I, I didn't get an answer that was satisfying because if part of our part of our belief, a lot of camping's belief is that share sharing information is going to make us all better. Sure. Because if a 
if a camper parent sends their kid to camp and that camp sucks, they're going to think that all summer camps suck. And I'm like, no, the goal is that we rise all summer camps up to a certain standard. Right, right. You know, that boggles my mind that you would hide it or secluded or isolated or whatever. Um, Well, I wonder if you could, (laughs) if we we could have somebody go through, read the old issues and find one great article every month or a couple from the past. And, um, well, I wondered if repurpose I that. had the idea that for a podcast, it would be great to like send a group of four camping professionals one issue to yeah. read through, and then you meet and you talk about it, and you talk Absolutely. about how it applies to today. And um, um, or, or the challenge is once you're once you're on too many podcasts, it's just a timing issue of how much time you have in your life to actually do your real job. So right, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, somebody should do it. Maybe it's not you. It's you, yeah. The, the formula is there. It could be um, someone who doesn't have five other podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> just two, just two. That's all. Right, right, right. Uh, um, <laughs> well, this has been this has been delightful. Um, um, I'd love to hear sometime about what the future of of camps are, overnight camps. Mm. I think um, I think one thing we've learned from COVID is, yeah, zooming, remote work's not going away, but neither is. Uh, face-to-face stuff and so th- this is john nashbitt's greatest insight he was the futurist he called a high-tech high touch the more high-tech we get the more valuable the touch part becomes and you you don't do one at the cost of others there's just one sort of emphasizes the other and so um i can f- certainly see as kids spend more and more time zooming an overnight camp for the summer, man, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. And I, I think the importance there is Kevin, this idea of coming together in community in person. Sure. I think that's what sure. um, the pandemic was long for, for many people. And, and when we opened back up to rental groups, set aside our summer camp to groups right. who use our facilities, they, they couldn't wait to get together in person in community and create that community and that, yeah. that personal yeah. touch for their own group. So it's, it's a valuable thing, certainly that I don't think, I don't think uh, will ever go away. And I don't. In in doing the reading I've done on AI so far, I don't think AI can replace that. Oh right? no! Like I, I'm no. like I think this job is solid. I think I'm good. Right. I hundred percent. I'll see you in fifty years. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Joe. It was really great. I really appreciate it. What, how much fun it was and um, great tools. Um, and thank you for taking time to share. Perfect. You're welcome, Kevin. Have a great day. This year, our Cool Tools blog will be 20 years old, which means we've been posting something new every day for 20 years. It's only possible because of the very engaged and knowledgeable readers and listeners like yourself. You've kept this place going and we are very grateful for you. With this idea of 20 years in mind, um, we decided to try an experiment this year, and I'm inviting our guests and listeners to join me on our Cool Tool Show and Tell, which is the program that you're listening to right now. So if you feel you'd make a good guest on this podcast and have four uncommon tools that you'd like to share with us, um, please sign up on our form on the website. 
and we'll see about inviting you. You must be comfortable taking all, talking on a video, and um, you need to have some tools that you can show. Um, we record on, as you know, on Zoom. We do a YouTube version, a visual video version of it, as well as an audible version. Fill out the form if you're interested and um, list your four, four cool tools and we'll see if there's a good fit. The applications aren't guaranteed in any way. Um, and we're looking at tools that are new to us and appropriate tools and um, whether the times will work for you. So um, we're really interested in hearing from people all over the world, not just in the U.S., although the tools have to be available online, easily available online. And um, if you are a longtime listener, you kind of know what the definition of our tools are. They're very broad. They can be anything that's handy, from something in the kitchen to something you use to travel to a workshop to something professional that we may not know about. We're really interested in things that we don't know anything about. So um, this is an open invitation. We'll give it a try. If you think you make a good guess for this podcast, um, fill out the form. There'll be a link somewhere on our website. Um, and we look forward to, to chatting with you. Thank you.